and welcome back to a fresh episode of Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't done so yet, check out my weekly emails where I share actionable B2B marketing, website tips, podcasts, useful goodies, and more over at businessgrowth.email. So joining me today, I've got Dustin Tyzik. Dustin is the VP of Revenue over at Testimonial Hero. Dustin, welcome to the show, sir. How are you? Yeah, thanks for I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Sam. Looking forward to it. Always a pleasure, my friend. So yeah, today we're gonna be chatting exactly how customer stories can scale not only trust, but revenue, cash Mm -hmm. in the bank as well. A double hitter. (laughs) So first and foremost, Dustin, what does a customer story really mean? Yeah, so that that's an interesting question. I think, you know, historically customer stories are this is the company that used our product, this is how they used it, this is the result. But I think really there's more than that and like you really have to focus on the individual and how you made their job to be done easier and how you actually help them as a person and position them as a hero. And then once mm. you capture that story, you know, there's a lot of steps after that we can talk through on how to distribute it, how to ask the questions. But at the heart of a customer story, I really think that's what it is. Okay. And what's the point of them? Like, what's the outcome? What can we achieve from customer stories? Yeah, I mean, you outlined it a bit at the front. Like, it's really building trust and hearing from someone like you, right, who is trying to solve the same problems, probably in a similar company. Um, You know, there's G2, Logo Clouds, all that stuff. I think marketers in particular are becoming a little jaded because they know how that game works, right? But hearing an actual person talk through it just builds that trust and makes it easier to get someone to sign on and, you know, ultimately get you revenue. Mm, got it. Okay. And when we say customer stories, what are we talking about here? Because when I hear customer stories, probably two or three two or three things come into my mind. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking like testimonials, maybe a classic testimonial side on a website, maybe like you said, like G2, Capterra or Clutch, like you're your well-ranked listing sites that you see when you you do Google searches, maybe videos, maybe written case studies on websites. So what what are we talking? Are we talking all above? Are we talking something specific? Yeah, I'd say all of the above, but what I really focus on is the testimonial side. So my view there is there's kind of checkbox customer content and stories that you need. So, you know, G2 or the Gartner Network like Captera and that is kind of an example. They go there and make sure you're actually legit and you're a real company and, you know, people like you. But further down from that, there's the actual individual customer stories tied to industry, persona, outcome, objections, and, and really that more a niche topic that you have to target out to the right people. Hmm. Okay. So targeting and, and persona based. So I know we're going to walk through a bit of a step-by-step For shortly sure. of, of how that can impact the, the ways it can build trust at different parts of the, the sales cycle. Um, do you think that's often neglected do you think there's times dustin where perhaps b2b companies place too much emphasis on testimonials at certain parts of the sales cycle for sure and like i am 100 guilty of this as well in past roles where i have my little google sheet with okay i need case studies from these industries this company size and it was kind of just a checkbox right like i had to get this thing on the website for sales to use for me to say yeah we created a case study Um, And I think that's still how a lot of companies handle it. So the problem there is 
like honestly when was the last time you read a full case study maybe mm. i just don't have the attention span but i won't sit there and do it i look and say cool a company like me check um so i think that's where companies go wrong and i've gone wrong before is not really thinking through the distribution and the actual story and getting eyeballs on it you're exactly right i mean at best you're probably going to flick through it on a on a website right especially a hefty case study so you're probably going to flick through the main pain points and like results achieved maybe the logos they worked with flick it a testimonial and that's probably about it right yeah 100 and i mean like all the we've heard about the three percent rule right where three percent of your audience roughly is buying at any time so best case scenario in the world you get those three percent to your website probably not going to happen mm. uh, what percentage of those are actually going to read the case study so you know you're asking for valuable customer time you're creating a story that probably has amazing points in it but it's just not getting that exposure and it's at that one stage of the funnel mm. Mm. and are there any kind of glaringly obviously mis glaringly obvious mistakes that companies tend to make when it comes to either capturing testimonials or putting them out there for the market to see yeah i think not having it from the, the first person of the buyer is one not really a mistake but it's kind of the traditional way things have gone right and a lot of companies are moving away from this and it is kind of the old way but you'd see a case study where the first paragraph is this company was founded in you know, 1992, they have all these locations. And before you get to the meat of it and like the actual results, you got to wade through this giant intro. So I think that's part of it. So even just flipping it and almost having it editorial style, right? Like Influitive does this with their upshots of someone telling their own story make, right. make a difference. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like getting to the point rather than kind of beating around the bush. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's a tension span thing or just what we're used to, but that short form content, I mean, you do a podcast, you chop things up, you know how it works. Um, you need that, right? It's that little trigger to get people to listen more. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I mean, there's a lot of debate, especially on LinkedIn now when around video, like what's most effective? Like I've seen yeah. as of now, I mean, we're, we're recording 15th of December, 2022 at the time of this actual recording and video seems to have tanked on LinkedIn reach at the moment for me anyway. Um, which is weird because before it was awesome. And now the impressions seem to be right down at, at the time of recording. It seems to be image posts linked with text seem to be doing the best. But algorithms aside, video yeah. videos seem to be, like you say, getting much, much shorter. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people used to put kind of two, three, four, five minute videos up, whereas now they're typically under 60 seconds. Most of what I see in the feed anyway from kind of B2B marketers, tech companies, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd say like there's the traditional case study, which we talked about, then the traditional testimonial, which is that 90 second, two minute video that it has its place, right? Like it's a video case study, but you're probably not going to get a ton of views on that on LinkedIn organic, or if you're running a demand gen ad, just because it can be a lot to sit through. So you need to chop up that content and have your 15 second version, maybe even a six second for a YouTube bumper, a 30 second, you know, all those different points and match mm the length and the content to where the buyer is in their journey yeah yeah yeah. it's interesting because i think even myself like when you think of especially video content video testimonials you don't naturally think of oh, i certainly don't of using them for maybe youtube pre-roll mm -hmm. or chopping them up in some of these lesser known platforms well not that youtube's lesser known but i think ad roll is lesser known certainly by yep. most of the people that i've known or work with but yeah, well, let's jump into that. I want to get into this this walk, this step by step walkthrough, um, mm -hmm. where we can map out personas and make best use of our testimonials. So, with that, what is the first thing when it comes to 
making sure we're putting out effective testimonials that are going to build trust with our target market and are going to speed up sales cycles and, and impact revenue. What's the first thing that we should either do or prepare for? Yeah. So, but before even talking about like where they live and how we promote them and all that, really understanding your persona and kind of the question, fears and doubts that they have. So that's the first step we do usually is we walk through, you know, as a buyer, what are they worried about? What is the problem we're trying to solve? And we okay. map all that out so that when we ask the questions, we were asking the right thing and digging in on the right topics. Um, mm. and, and I think how you ask the questions and having a skilled interview interviewer is highly underrated. There's kind of been this push to, you know, those video surveys, right? Like video ask where you send a link, it has a question on screen. Um, I host a podcast. I do these, me talking to the camera with no one there is going to suck. Like it's just hard to be comfortable and create an authentic story. So I think it's having those questions and really thinking it out and then having a really solid interviewer to actually dig in and ask the right questions and understand those needs. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's certainly asking questions is a skill that you can adapt and you can build over time. And it's only something you can get really with, with practice. Yeah. Um, and when, have you got any tips around how you guys tend to dig out those problems that buyers, prospective clients, buyers are actually going to care about? Yeah. So it, it's honestly a lot of work up front right? Like really thinking through those questions and asking them in a way that you can have content for the full funnel in advance. So often it's, you know, you would ask the question, how long have you been using the product? What were the results? All of that. But even asking around, you know, while you were buying, what are some of the objections you were worried about? Right? So mm. for example, we sell remote and on-site testimonials. So when we get a testimonial created for ourselves, one of the core concerns is, can a remote testimonial be good quality? So, you know, we wanted to directly ask that and interview people who had that concern and we overcame it in the sales cycle um, because sales, good salespeople have their little like quiver full of these customer stories that they pull out an email and, you know, it's very ad hoc. So we want to do that in a more systematized way so we can say, totally get that. Here's a customer like you who felt that pain and here's why they made the decision they did. Got it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's another good thing, isn't it? With testimonials, especially video ones for the sales team. To, to whip those out as and when relevant to kind of build trust with prospects. Yeah, 100%. And whether like, you know, I'm biased to video because that's what we do, but we also <laughs> promote our stuff in a variety of different formats, right? So quote cards, audiograms, you know, just clips for emails, the whole gamut, which is important, but yeah. Nice. Okay. So walking through the problems that the buyers actually want to solve and the, the common objections that you face prepping those out prepping out an interview or an mm -hmm. interviewee to, yep. to conduct those with your, with your customers. That's step one. What happens next? Yeah. So step two, as simple as it sounds, uh, is actually having the interview and that's a legitimate skill. Like we kind of touched on that, right? It's not, it's not easy to make someone feel super comfortable. Um, it's not easy to know when to dig in and ask follow-up questions. Like salespeople go through sales training for this, for years, right, on how to ask effective questions and, and dig down. But that's really the key there is having that interview, whether in person, you know, on site or remotely and having a skilled interviewer. So you get an authentic, detailed response. Um, I'm sure you've had, you know, the, the parallel here is podcasts, right? So I'm sure you've had guests who give one word answers and you're like digging, trying to get something of value. It's kind of similar with customers, right? Like you'll have those people who 
aren't super lively, aren't giving you a lot. So you need to be prepared and ready to do that. And it's hard. Like it's not an easy thing. Oh yeah. It's podcasts, sales calls, discovery calls. They're not all that different. A lot of it comes down to, I suppose it's a bit of give and take, but certainly the the salesperson or the interviewer has to do a lot of the legwork in order to, depending on what the end objective is, I suppose, whether it's getting a great interview providing actionable tips for, in your case, the prospects that might be listening to the testimonial, or in my case, to the podcast, or in the yep. salesperson's case, then building trust and seeing if they can fix the problem or get some business done with a potential client. So yeah, you, you, I completely agree with that. Um, so when it comes to conducting these interviews, is there like any sweet spots, any best practices around how long they should take? Um, you mentioned there kind of prepping questions and, and things like that. Are there any other considerations we should put into play? Yeah, I think time can vary. Like we are usually around that 30, 40 minute mark, um, which maybe seems long, right? Because we're producing, you know, a, a full story testimonial that's 90 seconds plus some clips. But hmm. it's important to have that raw footage. Um, and again, like I view this kind of as like a content pillar piece, right? So a lot of people will use a live event or a podcast as their pillar They'll chop it up, they'll write blog posts about it, they'll create content, you know, audio, video, images. I view that the same way for a customer story. So having a lo- enough length and enough meat where you don't just come out with one asset after spending 40 minutes with the customer, you come out with a dozen assets. So that's that's kind of the way we look at it is customer's time is valuable. They're doing you a favor. Mm. You know, maximize it as much as you can. That is a good point. Are you tired of the competition stealing your potential clients and website traffic just because they rank higher than you on Google for the main services or products you offer? Or maybe you're already investing in SEO or marketing, but your website's failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Or perhaps you already work with a web or SEO agency, but they're just not getting you the results they promised. Let's fix that. Get in touch with us over at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Mention the podcast and set up a call with Sam to see if we can help you with the results today. It's not easy to get customer reviews. No. Let alone customer video testimonials. Yeah. Any any tips for kind of making customers feel at ease and actually give up their time, like you say, 30, 40 minutes or longer? And especially if that's an on-site, then they're going to have to take time out that day. Any tips for what works well for actually getting them to approve those? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. It's something we're working on a ton because it is hard. Like I've struggled with that before. The, the first step is finding the right people. So having some measure of what a successful customer is like and actually having communication between CS, sales, marketing or whoever's actually capturing this that's where the breakdown happens a lot of the time marketing Mm. wants to do a bunch of these and they ask cs cs you know ignores them gives a couple suggestions (laughs) there's back and forth like we've all been there so that's that's one part right of actually figuring out who to ask and then there's the how to ask and it's almost like being a good sdr you can't just spam a template email i mean you could and you could play the numbers game i don't recommend it but it's really positioning the you know, your customer as the hero, 
explaining the value they would get out of this. Um, it's easier in some cases than others, right? Like we sell to marketers. Marketers like to be out there and be exposed. So there, there is that part. But mm. also just positioning as, you know, you're a power user of this product. You've done all these great things. It would really help if we could tell your story to other potential customers. And, yeah. and framing it that way is important. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're in a good market. Selling to marketers is, I imagine, a lot easier to do this, this kind of sell for the testimony as opposed to if you're in a more traditional industry where perhaps people are on site or maybe using technical machinery or stuff like that. Um, for sure. I imagine yeah. that's a lot tougher. Yeah, I mean... It definitely is. We also have customers who, you know, get customer testimonials from, you know, truckers out on the road as part of their customers. So you can do it in any industry, but honestly, yeah, it is a bit easier in tech. I would say we're, we're kind of used to this, this world and reviews testimonials. Mm, Got it. And when people are conducting these interviews, like you say, they could be 30, 40 minutes. So you can make sure you've got enough Mm -hmm. content to chop up, slice and dice, mix around. Yep. Do you, do you tend to do it stop and start or do you have, do you recommend people just do like a, a solid script or like a one hitter or is it very much like in this part, we're going to talk about this, then we're going to move on to this, then we're going to do that. Yeah. So we, we try to keep it as conversational as we can because it's more authentic that way. So mm. what we'll do is we'll have our set, you know, list of questions. And then if something really interesting comes up, you can either dig in and ask follow-up questions or oftentimes we've also you know, it, this can be a, a little awkward. So you need a good interviewer again, but you can have them say, that was a really great point. Do you think you could try to say that in a more concise way? Um, and kind of just repeat that thought a little quicker. Cause sometimes people meander through their thoughts. We all do this. Mm, so having someone who sure. can catch like, that is an awesome point. Let's just say it a little shorter and frame that in a nice way. Yeah. It is a nice little tip there. Yeah. 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 Good. Okay. So we've held the interview. Mm-hmm. we've got got our footage we've done a good job what's next yeah so i mean i'm, I'm going to skip over the editing producing side right because i think there's a million ways you can take that um so let's say you know you produce it in-house you hire someone to do it you have that finished product mm-hmm. what you really want to do here with the raw footage is map out to the funnel and i kind of hate saying funnel because people don't buy that way but you know i'm using the traditional unaware you know problem aware product aware decision like that typical funnel Mm -hmm. and then map out a few things so map out the the touch points there so where does your audience live so take the unawareness phase right so people who aren't aware of us we sell to b2b marketers linkedin is a great channel for that right b2b marketers are quite active on there the targeting is strong so in our case you know we would look on the unaware stage we want the linkedin side and we're going to run ads and organic content here So that's step one, like map that out, right? So at the consideration stage where they're looking at you, figure out the length you want. So probably 45 seconds a minute, how sales is going to use it and what you need to address there. So you you map this out all along your journey, all the way to like renewal, you know, front to back, right? You have to have that prepared. And then the next part, once you have the length is to map the content. So what do people actually want to see at the front, right? Like when they're completely unaware they don't know what your product does. They probably want to hear someone talking about the problem you solved because that might trigger like, oh, I have that problem too. This is kind of interesting rather mm-hmm. than kind of a bottom funnel, super specific point that someone's making. So we map that out all along the journey. And then we get to work on actually creating that content, figuring out how to distribute and also how to measure it to see if it's successful. Okay. 
Got it. All right. So we're starting with let's yeah let's let's kind of take it step by step through the mm-hmm. the funnel as it were from yep. kind of unaware through to let's say problem aware um, through to maybe considering your offer and then actually mm-hmm. taking the taking the plunge, booking a demo, making the sale, whatever that exactly. next step is. So talking about the problem you solve, which kind of links back to our first step um, where we talked about kind of listing those out and and asking the, mm-hmm. the customers we interviewed to walk through them. Um, and then you mentioned kind of 45 seconds to one minute, distributing those on kind of relevant platforms, whether that's through ads or organic content. Is there a best practice in terms of this? And when I say that, Dustin, what I mean is I, we recommend to attract unaware prospects that are in the market that might be kind of um, a good fit, let's say an ideal client. You should put out, I don't know, four or five of these videos that talk about the problem you fix and distribute them on X channels. And is there, are there any best plays around this? Yeah. I mean, I, it's going to vary so much. I hate to give a like maybe uh, sure. answer, but like everything in marketing is kind of maybe it depends. Uh, but let's take the, you know, you decide LinkedIn is your growth channel to build awareness, in particular LinkedIn ads, right? You're going to need that variety. You're going to have to keep an eye on frequency and also ad type, right? So yes, we produce videos. We think they're super powerful. But even in our case, like we will run a list of customer videos. We will have five or six running in a campaign at a time. We will have quote cards, so image ads. We will have carousel ads that are kind of like a sizzle reel of different things that people have said to build trust. You know, maybe we'll even clip a a couple G2 reviews. So we're really mapping out that variety that matches to um, the particular channel or the particular, you know, medium that you're using there. Mm. So that's kind of our our approach. Um, and, And you do need variety. Like you can't, you could, but you probably shouldn't just do one of these interviews and just spam everyone with content from one interview like actually have a variety do five or six of these interviews generate 40 50 pieces of content and then you're set for a few quarters right you have a whole wealth of information there got it okay and i'm guessing on linkedin organic we we don't really need to talk about because that's just posting it from your personal profiles but in terms of the ad side of things it sounds like you're doing a, a bit of a variety in terms of the the type of ads you're putting out and then i'm guessing you're just setting that up to distribute to idle client profiles yeah no exactly so like our approach there is and we're kind of in a nice spot where we know our target audience and you know we can kind of have a list of these are the eight to ten thousand companies that are in our icp perfect fit so that's kind of step one um we don't just use testimonials there of course right we use other kinds but testimonials are a huge chunk of what we do and then once they interact or visit the website or take some action, they go into a remarketing stage that is more, a little more down the funnel, like really building trust, talking about the specifics, staying top of mind. And we kind of filter them down that way until they then get to our website and we have more customer proof there that is more detailed, you know, longer than the 15 second ad they saw. Hmm. So that's that's what we're kind of do is slowly nudge them down that journey and have more content as they get to each stage. So they don't just see the same you know, yeah. case study or the same video throughout the whole thing. Anything that works well, looked, works well, sorry, in terms of a mid-funnel um, content play, i.e., like you said there, they've looked at your website, maybe they flicked on a few pages, maybe they flicked through your case studies, your pricing pages, and then flicked off. Yeah, so we, we kind of take two approaches there, and it depends on what action they've taken, right? So if they're a little further along and we have some way to actually reach out or drip content through email or another source, you know, we'll have videos at that stage that help. 
But we also use remarketing a lot for this. And you're, you're really not going to know who the exact person is, right? Like it's going to be a marketer at this list of companies that visited your site. So we chunk things out into, were they on the site 30, 90, 180 days ago? What pages did they see? as kind of a gauge of how far they are. And then we serve those ads, not just on LinkedIn, but across platforms, Yep. Um, you know, to, to hit them at that right spot there. Okay. Any, um, any recommendations for YouTube pre-roll ads? You mentioned them earlier. We've not really talked about those at all on the show or YouTube ad video ads in general. Mm-hmm. Any ideas or any lesser known ideas for when they can be effective? Are they effective? Are they, are they worthwhile? Yeah, this is an interesting one because it's something, honestly, we are not the best at. So in 2023, this is kind of a bit of our focus is how we can get better at this. And the tricky part here is those ads are super short. So Mm. you need a quick, like, six-second clip that is interesting enough. Um, And those are hard to get people to say. Like, we have one that we run. um, Maybe you'll see it on LinkedIn. You know, if you visit our site, we're going to probably remarket you at this. but someone says going with testimony hero was the opposite of buyer remorse. <laughs> That's less than six seconds. It's an amazing quote. Like I couldn't write that. It's better than anything I could write. So you need those type of really quick hit ones there. Um, yep. The route we're going actually on YouTube as well is chopping some of the stuff up into shorts and, you know, experimenting a bit with that more on the organic side. Um, but yep. I think there's an opportunity on paid. I just wish I was better at it. Like that's my goal for 2023 is figure this out. Fair enough. A lot of marketing is experimentation, though. 100%. What, what yeah. works. We're messing around with YouTube shorts at the moment. I've, I've still far from cracked it, but just chopping up some podcast episode into short yeah. clips, and some will get hundreds, thousands of views, and then others will just flop. But yeah. It's, it's fun it, to mess around with. Yeah. If you figure that one out, let me know. Shoot me a message. <laughs> we'll work on it. Yeah. I don't know if that's happening yeah. anytime soon, but definitely <laughs> will. Um, cool, man. So that's that's kind of middle of the funnel in the comparison and the, the learning stages. And then any recommendations for people that might be close to, to buying and what, what we should try and get in front of them? Yeah, 100%. I think this is actually the most neglected space for testimonials, right? Like there's whole, there's whole companies who will work with you to make sure you have your customer stories to talk about during a demo or in follow-up and like build this bank for you. Hmm. But usually it's it's quotes, right? Like you have a little snippet in an email. Um, what we do is we want to have, we, we kind of put it into three broad buckets, right? So we want, we call them objection crushers. So common objections, you know what they are. They're probably things you address in like an FAQ on the site in a little bit of detail, but mapping out what those common objections are and creating videos for them, creating videos on the cost of inaction. Most of our deals aren't lost to competitors. They're lost to just inaction. You know, people staying with the status quo, losing to indecision. So talking about, you know, this is the old way I was doing it. These are the poor results. This is what happened. You need to do this right away. And then the third bucket is on competitive replacement. So this is going to vary. You probably don't want to just, you know, dump on a competitor and talk about how they suck and all that. But if you can keep it broad enough where, I switched from this competitor or this type of product because X, Y, Z, you know, that kind of hits the three, three of the main points during the sales process that a good salesperson will handle, but you can get your customers to do it and sell for you, which mm. is pretty powerful. Yeah. It's, it's, it's solid tips, man. Um, like common objections, um, cost of inaction, like you say, the status quo is certainly from my experience and been selling a fair, fair bit now, 
I'd guess what well, I'm 31 now, so probably a good 10, 11 years. And most of the time, the reason deals haven't gone through is because people just weren't facing a, mo- a painful enough yeah. problem to move from their current vendor. Um, especially when you get into kind of selling high ticket mm-hmm. items or solutions. If your item is kind of quite complex, quite expensive, it involves a lot of other team members to move the decision and actually implement, then you better hope that your problem solves or or you better show the value in your problem solving some seriously kind of bleeding neck, juicy problems. Because if it doesn't, the customer is just going to stick with the devil they know, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Like something that's super integrated, like take Salesforce, right? A lot lot Mm. of people don't actually love using the product, but it integrates with everything and it's so Mm. embedded. So if you're going against something like that, that's probably an extreme example, but and yeah. you have to convince someone to rip that out. You better highlight, you know, what happens if they don't. How is this yeah. affecting them? Um, like Dooley kind of did this with Salesforce and note taking and how, you know, you're wasting all this time in there. You need us. If you don't, this is going to happen. So yeah. really mapping that out and thinking through it. Nice. And then competitive displacement. That's always a funny one. We've had episodes on this show a little bit where we've talked about that with things like Google paid search, Google AdWords, where you do the old XVY, competitor A, V, competitor B. Um, It's a play that people do on ads, play that people do a little bit of SEO with like dedicated landing pages with you versus your competitor. It's a play that the review websites do, G2, Mm -hmm. Captera, et cetera. So it's it's known. You've got to be careful because there can be legal issues with it, especially when you use up as competitors names in certain lights so you've got to be careful um how'd you do it video yeah so i i've done those ads as well and those you know us versus them and you get (laughs) a little cease and desist letter like don't use this this isn't true so i think that's too risky doing that head to head like i would focus it more on your point of view and how something about you is actually different from the bulk of a group of competitors Right, right. So our case, one bucket of competitors are those like video survey tools. Okay. Right. Where you send a link to a customer, it pops up a question, they answer. So instead of attacking those and naming them and like there's, that's a lose-lose situation. We will talk about the value of having a producer and an interviewer. So you get authentic conversations versus generic scripted results. So that's our competitive replacement and competitive comparison. And I think from a conceptual point of view, that's a little stronger than like this feature sucks. Our feature is better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're you're essentially saying like you're not naming any competitors. You're really saying like how your how your offer shines above theirs and like the the benefits that you'll get bring to the table. Exactly. Yeah, and you know maybe we target some of the keywords or remarket to some of their audience, but we won't you know call them out by name. We're just going to do that conceptual our point of view versus theirs. Got it, man. Are there any any points that we haven't covered on this step-by-step? Um, I guess the only other one, and we haven't tapped into it as much, is like people often stop at that the revenue side, right? But mm. now with, it's hard to sell in this environment for certain products, right? So net retention sure. and like actually keeping your customers and actually upselling them is important. So a bit of an untapped market there is is that exactly, right? So say you're SaaS company, you're rolling out a new product, you've beta tested it, you have a few happy customers. That's a great point for testimonials, right? Like interview those customers, capture what they liked about it, and then use that for your bigger rollout. So you actually have customer proof and you know you can target that to the right people. So that's something we're looking to expand more and help customers with just 
given the times, keeping your customers is easier than finding new ones. So For we sure. want to help them do that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's not, not something I thought about in a great deal as well. Um, I mean, bringing, like you say, it's so much cheaper to keep and upsell existing customers than it is to acquire net new business. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I tend to do that I neglect, but we should certainly our team should do a lot more is using video in general to bring new ideas to the table to your existing customers. Mm-hmm. Um, not just we've got a new feature, buy it, but <laughs> yeah. more more so. Have you have you um, thought about doing this like with widget? Like, did you know widget A could do this and this could be useful to grow your business in this this aspect um for you it'll be something relevant to your video offer for me mm-hmm. it might be did you know we could tweak your call to actions to be more descriptive and it might increase conversion rate yep things like that bringing new ideas to the table that aren't necessarily going to cost your customers more but are going to show that you're actively interested in helping them growing their business growing their revenue sharing new thoughts best practices and then maybe a few months later you can introduce a new service and upsell them for sure and i think like people hear testimonial and they think customers, right? Like it's just customers. We actually also help companies do employee testimonials, which is kind of like you're describing. So Mm. be it thought leadership, product launch, um, you know, that type of thing, having a senior person at the company or multiple people talking about why they created this product, why it matters, intertwining with clips. Like those are also testimonials in our mind. So hundred percent agree. Those can work really well. Any, um, before we wrap things up, what about with prospecting? Any nice use cases that you found where perhaps your team or other teams have used these for reaching out cold, whether that is email, LinkedIn, other social channels or elsewhere? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, we're kind of in a unique situation internally for us where like our product is testimonial, so we can send examples and, you know, that's a perfect fit for prospecting. (laughs) Um, But in general, including video links of someone telling your story is great. Um, that's something I think people always do the, or often do the, you know, Vidyard click record. Here's my pitch. Here's my story part, which is great. And I think that actually works quite well. Um, but we do have customers who will integrate some of those examples and those short 15 second clips Hmm. into their outreach. So say, you know, instead of honestly be honest with it. So say, I'm an SDR, you probably get a bunch of these requests. So I want one of our customers to tell you why you should do X, Y, Z and include a clip. It might be different enough to actually stand out from the sea of, you know, those emails we get. Um, So I think there's lots of plays there that could be interesting. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, video alone, like the amount of trash LinkedIn messages, emails that I get on a daily basis, I'm sure you're the same and most people tuning in like, can't tell you the last time I've... Well, actually, I did get a custom video message today, so that was nice. But that was the first one in, in ages. The only ones that I occasionally get are just uh, generic ones. So um, yep. certainly a good way to stand out from the noise. For sure, yeah. Dustin, yep. it's been a pleasure, sir. Thanks very much for taking us through the, the customer story, testimonial, video best plays and practices. Um, shared some, some really useful and helpful tips. So appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was a fun one. No worries. So please do tell us more about how everyone tuning in can learn more about your company, how they mm-hmm. can connect with you and anything you'd like to share with the audience. Yeah, hundred percent. So you can, best way to connect with me is LinkedIn, um, Dustin Tizik. It's not a common last name. You'll find me pretty easy. So you can do that. Uh, for the company, it's testimonialhero.com. So you can head over there, look at the examples, uh, look at some content and get ideas. Even if you decide to do this on their own, on your own, there's some useful stuff there. 
Um, and then shameless podcast plug. We also host uh, B2B Revenue Leaders, which is a podcast. Um, so if you like this one, you might like our podcast. So yeah, those are my my three plugs. Cheers, man. We'll put all of those links in the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. Thanks once again, Dustin. Awesome. Thank you, Sam. Cheers, man. And as always, if you enjoyed the episode, a quick rating on your podcast channel or subscribe on YouTube goes a long way. And we'll catch you on the next one for more actionable, no BS, marketing tips to grow your business and grow your revenue. Cheers for tuning in.